Please rise now as we hear the call of our Heavenly Father. The call this morning comes from Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we've been called to uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord to sing his praises. So we will begin with uh, 570, Praise God from whom all blessings flow, which we already know. And then we'll be singing that hymn, Psalm 100, uh, 100a. Praise God from whom all to the Lord all earth. why we were able to rise this morning to travel here, to be in this place. All things work according to your will, according to your providence. We thank you for your faithfulness in providing for us all things necessary for life and godliness. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who heals us, and we ask for healing uh, for those who are sick, those who could not be here because of flu bugs or whatever. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing upon our time in your word as we hear you speak to us from heaven through your spirit and as we respond in prayer and praise and hearing and doing uh, what you would desire of us. And so we have come gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we uh, worship him, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship you. Uh, we pray, O Lord, that you would receive our worship, receive our prayer, prayers and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning we have opportunity again to get right with God. Would be another way of saying it. Um, Bible says sin separates us from God. Have you sinned in the past 24 hours? What do you think? Once? Twice? How about this? James Kennedy says we have 10,000 thoughts a day. 
Out of the heart, out of the thoughts of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, murder, adultery, theft. How many sins have you committed today in the past 24 hours? Many. So what do we do here? We want to get right with God. We want that wall to come down. The wall. Who, brought, who brings the wall down? Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross. But we call, are called to confess our sin. And so this morning, reading from Galatians, let's examine our hearts, examine ourselves as we, as we consider his word. I'll read the light type, if you could read the dark type. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we understand our need for your grace. The grace accomplished and applied. Accomplished by our Lord Jesus Christ and applied by the Holy Spirit. But yet, we do have to acknowledge it is our contribution. It is our sin that nailed him to the cross. It is our judgment, our guilt that was placed upon him. It is through his stripes that we are healed. And so we know that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, which is another way of describing sin. And the Lord, you, Lord, have laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Lord Jesus, we do confess our offenses against the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yes, we've broken the law. We've not kept, it, we've not kept the law. We've not done that which is right in your sight. We've lived for ourselves. We've um, served ourselves. We are guilty of will worship, worshiping our wills. We do acknowledge these things. We know that they're not only a violation of the law, but also a personal offense. You've called us to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we fail to do that. You've called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, or even better yet, as Christ loved us. We failed there as well. And so we do not want to ignore them, minimize, or uh, put them aside. We want to confess them. Because we know that in, in that confession, your word says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we need that cleansing. We need that righteousness of Christ, that, that glorious robe of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone so that we may be able to sit or stand in your presence. And when you see us, Father... You see Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you will take that little half sheet that's in the bulletin and turn to um, My Only Comfort. Uh, the hymn is St. Petersburg. It's probably... Okay, whatever. Solid rock. Uh, you're right. So ignore, ignore the St. Petersburg up there, but like you know... Anyways, let's go ahead and stand and sing. This is uh, Heidelberg Catechism, question number one, the summary of the catechism. Let's stand and sing.
Is that a great? Isn't that great? There's a lot there, and you get to take it home with you. All right, let, please be seated. All right, um, we have opportunity also today to confess our faith. Every Sunday, we have an opportunity to confess the triune God before the world. So turn with me to page 852 in that Trinity, I mean, Psalter hymnal, the Nicene Creed. It's been around for 1,700 years. Summary of what we believe the Bible to teach concerning the triune God. And in one sense, it is the gospel. So what do you believe? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And again, note that the footnote, when we say we believe in the holy Catholic church, We're not talking Romans. We're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. We're talking about the universal body of Christ. From Adam to the second coming of Christ. So sometimes people get confused on that. A lot of these things that are stated here are to correct errors that were being taught at the time. This is a summary of of a positive declaration. Also this morning, you have on the other side of that half sheet, uh, the Canons of Dort. We are working through the three forms of unity. Uh, this year, we're, doing, we're working on the Canons of Dort. Um, we're focusing today on the fifth head of doctrine, the perseverance of the saints, or like I, I'd rather call it the perseverance of God for the saints. So Articles 11 and 12. I'll read Article 11 if you'll read 12. The scripture, moreover, testifies that believers in this life have to struggle with various carnal doubts and that under grievous temptations, they do not always feel this full assurance of faith and certainty of persevering. But God, who is the father of all consolation, does not suffer them to be tempted above that they are able but will, with the temptation, make also the way of escape, that they may be able to endure it. And by the Holy Spirit, again, inspires them with a conformable assurance of persevering. This certainty, perseverance, however, is so far from exciting in believers a spirit of pride or of rendering them carnally secure Uh, That on the contrary, it is the real source of humility, filial reverence, true piety, patience in every tribulation, fervent prayers, constancy in suffering and in confessing the truth, and of solid rejoicing in God, 
so that the consideration of this benefit should serve as an incentive to the serious and constant practice of gratitude and good works, as appears from the testimonies of Scripture and the example of the saints. So we are focusing on the perseverance of God for his beloved people, those whom he set apart. In review, Article 9, uh, the statement was that assurance in this life is attainable. Uh, Article 10, assurance is based upon God's promises recorded in the Bible, the testimony of the Holy Spirit working in us, and a serious and holy desire to persevere, uh, to pre- I'm sorry, preserve a good conscience and to perform good works. So there's an objective aspect, and that is God's word. <coughs> number two, there is the work of the Spirit. And then number three, there's a desire in, our, in my heart, in your heart, to follow Jesus, to persevere in the faith. What we have now in Article 11 is a reality check. We do not always feel full assurance. We have doubts. We have grievous temptations. What do you do when you're starting to question your own salvation or your faith? As one artist says, my faith is like shifting sand. If I'm saved by faith, justified by faith, and my faith is like sand, then what is, what is the basis of my comfort? Notice what uh, uh, they quote Paul in 1 Corinthians. But God, who is the Father of all comforts, all consolation, who does not suffer them to be tempted above what they are able, but with the temptation makes also a way of escape that they may also be able to endure it. Isn't that a comfort? God's in control. We, we believe in the sovereignty of God. Does that mean in my life? Yes, God is sovereign in my life. And so there is comfort in knowing that God will not let us. He's begun a good work, won't fail it, won't quit. He is faithful. Article 12 is a refutation of the charge by those that brought the complaint to the synod at Dort concerning uh, what would happen if we believe in the perseverance of the saint. Their charge is, well, it leads to pride. Well, I'm better than you are. I'm persevering. The other charge is, if you notice, if you turn what it says, uh, it is fleshly security. Well, in complacency, well, I'm saved, then I can do what I want. I can be as bad as I want. I can sin, but and not, uh, and it won't affect me. Um, what is the uh, refutation? If you notice, there is a, a number of things stated there. True assurance produces humility. What's the shortest prayer in the Bible? Help, Lord. What is that saying? I can't do it myself. Help, Lord. How often do you pray, help, Lord? I've been praying it constantly since I got sick the past couple days. Um, Yeah. Humility. I can't do it. I need grace. God, you have to intervene. I need your help. Perseverance of God. For the saints, it drives us to our knees. Secondly, a filial—that's a funny word. Do you know what that word means? You read it. What is filial? Anybody? Brotherly is a good one. Yeah, I thought it was childlike, but I like that too. Uh, childlike uh, reverence or a brotherly reverence, but I think it's more childlike. But you can correct me. That's fine. Um, so the idea of respecting God—he's our Father. Are we called to honor our Father who art in heaven? And the answer is yes. How about true piety, living my life for Jesus? How about patience in suffering? I don't know about you, but uh, don't ever ask for patience, right? Because God will give you trials. I remember a story once of an old saint, a young uh, a brother in Christ came to an old saint and asked him, pray for me, I pray for patience and The old saint, Lord, give him tribulation in the morning, give him tribulation in the afternoon, give him tribulation in the evening. 
And he said, I, I didn't ask you to pray for, uh, for uh, tribulation. I asked you to pay for patience. Well, how do you think patience is developed? Through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. Patience in suffering. Fervent prayers. Yes. Oh, Lord, help me. I can't do this. Constancy, faithfulness in suffering. Solid rejoicing. That's our call to persevere through God. All things are possible. Amen? Amen. Uh, let us prepare for the sermon this morning by singing once again of the love of God in Christ. And that is hymn number 463. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. 463. Let us stand and sing. seated. Sorry about that, but thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's better. All right. We have opportunity now to hear the pure Word of God. So if you'll turn with me to our text this morning, chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians, as we come to the end of the first half of the book, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just skip down to our, our primary text, and that is verses 14 through 21 of chapter 3. Hear now the word of our God. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, 
that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this prayer of Paul. We thank you that you uh, guided and directed this prayer based on everything that he has been speaking before about the the unsearchable riches of Christ, the grace of God. And now he bows the knee, and so do we. We do come to you as your children, our Father, who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that you would provide those things we need from this portion of your word today and that you would equip us to be able to be more and more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray by example and by word. And so do that work in us, we pray, as, as we see the work you're doing in Paul, so do that work in us. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, So it has been said that theology should lead to doxology. You know what that means. Anybody? Theology, good theology leads to doxology. Very good. Worship, uh, prayer in worship. Good theology should cause us to get on our knees and worship God and pray to God. What we've been seeing in our text throughout chapters 1, 2, and 3 has been great theology, right? So consider chapter 1, the blessings of redemption in Christ. That blessing goes all the way back to eternity. Again, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Can those blessings be taken away if they're in heaven? No, they're in heaven. Just as he chose us in Christ, in him, before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. He begins to describe the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ there. Election, predestination, adoption, redemption. Assurance, forgiveness of sins, inheritance, the Holy Spirit as our guarantee. What does it do to him? What does it do to Paul in chapter 1? It leads him to pray. He gets on his knees and he prays based on the truth that he is expounding. And he prays for further enlightenment that we would understand it more fully that we might glorify Christ. Then in chapter 2, he takes a backward look at our state, our total depravity in Adam. We were dead in trespasses and sins. 
And yet, God, who is rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where are you right now in Christ? Paul says we're in heaven. The blessings are in heaven. Christ is there and we're in Christ. We are seated positionally in, in heaven right now. The riches of Christ. And then he goes on to talk about reconciliation in verse 11. He says, now remember, you were aliens and, and foreigners. You were without God in the world. You were without Christ. You were lost. But Jesus came, and he is our peace. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. He has re reconciled Jew and Gentile. He's reconciled us all into the body of Christ, into the church. We are reconciled to God, and we are reconciled to one another. We have unity in Christ. Christ is our peace. Christ is the fire foundation, the cornerstone of the church. In other words, grace, redemption, the riches of Christ. Now, last week, we looked at uh, chapter 3. Paul describes his calling. He's a bondservant, or he better yet, he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He said, for this reason, because of these truths, I'm a prisoner. And now in verse 14, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray to God for you. His motivation is us, his people, the redeemed of the Lord. Yes, I will suffer the loss of all things. And count it but rubbish, he says in another place, that, that I may win Christ and also he's concerned for you and I. But notice how he begins this prayer. He says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that first point there in the bulletin, what is it? It's, there's three looks. There's the upward look, there's the inward look, and there's the outward look. To whom do you pray? So who, do you, who do you pray to? Well, Paul pray, prays to the Father. He's following Jesus' prayer that he taught his disciples, is he not? Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And so he turns to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He prays to the Heavenly Father, the one who created all things, including the family, the Lord of all things. He is the identity of the family of all things. In other words, who are you? What is your identity? If someone were to ask you, who are you? What would you say? Well, according to Heidelberg Catechism question one that we sang, I belong to Jesus. Is that a good identity? I belong to Jesus. That's the most important identity. But what does it say further in the catechism? It says that I belong to God's people. I'm part of the family of God. I'm adopted heir. God is my father, and he's adopted me. He's placed his name upon me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm named, and what am I called to do? Taking not his name in vain, but I'm named. God identifies himself with us. That should blow your mind. The creator of everything, the sustainer of everything, the judge of all the earth, personally chooses you, if you believe in Jesus, as a child, to know you, to name you, to place his love upon you. 
That love is revealed through Christ, John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God through Jesus Christ. So not only do we have identity, we have security, right? If God is my Father, can anybody mess with me? If, my, if God is everywhere present, is, can anyone harm me? If I'm the apple of his eye, will God allow me anyone to poke his eye? The answer is no. Again, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's been talking about this family. He's been describing it in different ways. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the redeemed of the Lord. But he talks about it as a family. We're part of a large family. Millions of brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you ever really alone? You're never really alone. Not only is the as Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, but we're part of that family of God. You ever noticed in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught, how does he start? What's the first word in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Not my Father, our Father. All those pronouns are plural. When you pray, Jesus says you pray as a family. You pray as the people of God. We are the household of faith. Another way that it's described in Galatians. And so God, ha- God is the person to whom we pray, God the Father. Do we need Jesus in order to pray to the Father? Yes. It's through Jesus that our prayers are made effective and accepted in the beloved. Is there anything that we can do apart from Jesus that's acceptable to God? No. But through grace, and this is a strange one, do we receive rewards for the things we do? The answer is yes. But it's not of merit, but it's of grace. Who gets the glory? God does. Isn't that what we're all about here? Why are you here? Why did you come to church today? Is it because you had needs to be met? Or is it because God is here in a special way and that you have gathered in his presence to worship and serve him? Isn't that why we're here on earth? To glorify him, as it says at the very end. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You hear that echo? I'm already jumping ahead. Second point. What do we ask for in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't, Paul doesn't really focus on that, but he does focus on our need. That, that purpose, so there in verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's asking for you and me. For the Ephesians, what is it that he's asking for? Number one, that he would grant you, that his grace, that he would be gracious to you according to the riches of his glory 
or as he said earlier, in the unsearchable riches of Christ, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I've been pretty sick the past couple days to the point where I haven't been able to get out of bed for the past two days, and only by the grace of God that I'm here today. How many times did I pray for the Lord to strengthen me to get up to be able to, you know, just get by? I don't normally pray that prayer all the time, but I definitely prayed it the past couple days. Do we take for granted the strength that we have? Do you? Oh, I'm young. I can do it. Wait till you get older. I'm amazed amazed at what I used to be able to do that if I tried to do now, I would probably hurt myself in a serious way. Right? What is it that we need? We need his strength. We need his grace. We need the work of the Spirit in our lives. I can do all things through Christ. Christ who strengthens me. I can do nothing apart from Christ. Is that your, do you acknowledge that? Do you know that to be true? Anything I do apart from Christ is rubbish. But through Christ, I can do great things because he gets the glory. Again, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ, secondly, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I have taken uh, umbrage at that statement in the past. Um, well, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. Have you ever heard that statement? You need to invite Jesus into your heart. And the joke is, well, which ventricle, the right one or the left one? What does it mean to that Christ dwell in our hearts by faith? He's not talking about the thing that's beating in your chest, okay? He's talking about the center of your being, who you really are. Yes, your mind is involved, your soul is involved, your heart is involved in that sense, but it's the center of your being, that Christ may dwell in who you are, in the center of your being, when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes and you look around and you're evaluating and you're looking at things, you're operating from the heart, from the center of your being. What Paul prays for you is that you, that Christ, may dwell in your heart through faith. Is that a precious thing? Jesus to dwell and be in control of your heart? If out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts and murders, adulteries, thefts, these are what defile a man. Is it not what we want is Jesus to dwell there, to motivate us, to live through us? Is that what Paul said? I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Is that your statement? Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. Is there anything he forgot? the width and the length and the breadth and the height? Is he trying to say, is he using that you may comprehend all that God, the love of God in Christ with all the saints? That's his prayer. Is that your prayer for yourself? Lord, I want to comprehend your love. And here's the thing that I'm going to drive at is, is that do you pray for that for your children? For those of you that have children, do you pray for that with your brothers and sisters? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters, little ones? Your family. How about the other brothers and sisters in the family here? Do we pray this prayer? 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, isn't that a beautiful thing? That you, the plant, is rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, from, wh- from which where you get the nur- nutrients. You draw life from Christ. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Is that again the unsearchable riches of Christ? Is that another way of saying the same thing? I think so. Again, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I have no idea what that means. To be honest with you, I can't, come, I can't get my head around that one. Maybe you can help me out with that that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that God has is yours in Christ. And you belong to God, Paul says. So again, my my concern in in that way is When we pray, do you pray to the Father? When you ask for, give us this day our daily bread, does it concern your relationship with Christ, with the Father, with the Son? Just like bread sustains the body, so Christ, the bread of life, sustains your soul. Do you pray for your family? Do you pray for the household of faith here and around the world? Do you pray uh, for that the world may come to know the Savior? Third point, hang in there. We're getting, getting through it. Verses 20 and 21. Now to him, and here's another one of those. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Did he run out of words? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. I I think he's trying to make a point, isn't he? God can do it. Do you believe it? Oh, God can only do what I let him do. No, God is able to do beyond what you think. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So here we see the goal. The prayer is for the glory of God in the church by Jesus Christ throughout every generation. The prayer begins with the Father as foundation of the family, of the family of God, and ends with the glory in the church throughout every generation. Isn't that awesome? If you believe in Jesus, you're part of the family of God. If you believe in Jesus, you're part of the church. You're this generation. Paul is writing to generations past, but they're our family as well. His glory is revealed to them and to us. Do you find your identity, your provision, and your glory in God? That's a good question. The first part is identity. The second part is provision. The third is glory. The goal of all things is the glory of God. So here we see the effect, the impact of the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ in the life of Paul. My prayer for you is that you take this and you start praying this prayer. The tendency for us is to leave this place and within five minutes forget what the sermon was about. Agree or disagree? Okay, how about 15 minutes? Oh, no? Okay, how about an hour? Ask whoever you're with an hour from after service, what was the sermon about? 
This is application 101. Doxology, was it? Doxology leads to, sorry, theology leads to doxology. My kids used to say the duck song, um, the doxology at the end of the service, the doxology. Prayer and praise is the fruit or the response to the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, we do come to you, and we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your grace through the Apostle Paul here in this letter. We have been glorying in, enjoying, and encouraged by the multitude of ways that you love us, the multitude of ways that you have called us to glory as the church of Jesus Christ. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would cause this message to not be forgotten so quickly, but that we would pray this prayer, remembering the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thou kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, just by the way, I do did put a page on the over there in the back if you want to take it. Um, one of my professors at seminary uh, went and did a compare and contrast of Matthew 6, 9 through 13 with Ephesians 14 through 21. And he sees the parallel, uh, how the Lord's Prayer impacted this prayer. So it has some Greek in it. I'm sorry if it's Greek to you, but um, it, it, you could still find it beneficial. Uh, if, you, if they're all gone, then let me know and I can make more copies of that. Uh, let us uh, uh, respond to God's word by giving of his tithes and our offerings. works of our hands, again acknowledging that all things come from you. Abilities come from you, opportunities to, to, uh, to prosper come from you. Uh, you have given to us responsibility to manage your resources, whether it be time, whether it be energy, with, with our bodies, with our souls, with our words, but also with the financial resources. All things belong to you. The earth is yours and the fullness thereof. And so we give back to you a portion acknowledging that you own it all and that we are but stewards and that we will give an account for how we manage all things you've given to us. And so we pray that you enable us to do so where we would hear from you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And so we pray that you'd enable us to do so. We also look to you for our daily bread as, as Paul prayed First and foremost, that we would be strengthened with might in the inner man. And like bread strengthens our body, so we need you. And so we do look to you for daily provision, uh, for healing, for strength, for encouragement when we're down, uh, it, when we're frustrated with coworkers or bosses or customers or uh, siblings or uh, spouses or family. We, there are many different ways that you are making us more like Jesus through affliction. And so we pray that you would grant unto us the ability to 
look above and to look to you. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him. Lord, help us to consider you, Jesus, in what you went through for us and what you're doing for us. And so we do look to you for our daily bread, our daily needs. We pray for restoration of relationships, reconciliation. Um, and also we pray, O oh Lord, for victory over the, the temptations that we daily face and the evil that is all about us. We think of what's happening in Israel and in Gaza. We think about what's happening in Ukraine and in Russia. We think about what's happening in other parts of the world. Those that We think of those in Africa that name the name of Christ that are being persecuted and even killed. We think of judgment that is coming on the world. O Lord, in judgment, remember mercy. We ask, O Lord, that you would bring peace to the Middle East. We pray, O Lord, that you would bring peace in Ukraine. We pray, O Lord, that you would bring peace in our country as we are an agitated society. Uh, There is war, maybe not physical war, but there are verbal wars that are going on all around us. O Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. Bring peace, we pray, through the gospel, through the work, person work of Jesus Christ. We pray, O oh Lord, for those who uh, are not here today because of uh, travel. And we ask, uh, Lord, for your mercy to them and traveling mercies. Um, we pray uh, for uh, Skip and Darlene as they uh, get ready to uh, travel to uh, Arizona for the winter. We ask your blessing upon their travels and uh, bless them as they, uh, as they settle into Uh, their residence there. We ask, O Lord, for uh, those that are listed here in the bulletin. Again, we think of Pastor Lee Johnson as he continues to recover and heal from a stroke. Uh, We haven't heard any report lately, but we pray, O Lord, for your restoration of him. We thank you, Lord, for answered prayer, for calling a pastor to Manhattan, um, Montana, and we pray that you would work in in, the in the State Department to allow him to come from South Africa with his family and be, take up the work there. We lift up to you uh, the church in Garner, Iowa. We thank you, Lord, that they are, are desirous to call Matthew Dawn. Um, and we thank you, Lord, for calling uh, David Wojtek to Willows, California. We pray for the other churches that are without pastors that you would provide for them. We pray for our brethren there in, in Weezer, uh, Idaho. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the three families that, ha- that are joining our church, and uh, uh, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would also establish that as a mission work and that you would raise up a pastor for that work as well. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that your, your kingdom does come, is coming, and will come. Your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we ask, O oh Lord, for your blessing in these and many other requests that each of us have on our hearts. Um, we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Closing hymn this morning. Hymn number 297. Is this a tune we know? Okay. 297.
Receive now God's blessing and benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.